You better get ready. The coffee's poured and the on-air sign's flashing. Broadcasting live and local, this is Lee Faulkner on 864-TRIPLE-M. Yeah, g'day, I'm Lee Faulkner and this is our podcast edition of the show. And if you want to catch up on things that you might have missed or you want to hear them again or maybe get the full edition that didn't quite make it to air, then this is the place to come each week. On the way, uh, we will have a bit of a laugh with You Can't Be Serious. Uh, We talk with the Mayor, Paul Antonio, uh, about the upcoming budget for Toowoomba Regional Council and some brand new technology that's being implemented to try to help us get through our uh, current parking scenario in the Toowoomba CBD, which is always a little bit contentious, we know. And a dare that he has challenged myself and producer Rob to Uh, with the upcoming State of Origin Game 1, depending on when you're listening to this. But right now, we're a week away from that first game, and he has issued a bit of a challenge to us, so uh, we'll hear from uh, him very shortly. Uh, Also, uh, I sat down and had a big chat to uh, one of our great community workers here in Nat Spari. Uh, He is uh, one half of the team behind that incredible base services, uh, the soup kitchen, second shot, all of that. And he's gearing up for Homeless for a Week coming up in uh, August and uh, we'll kick off with my chat with Nat Spari about that. Well, we've told you many, many times about the incredible work that Base Services and the Basement Soup Kitchen do and one of the coordinators and people behind that is Nat Spari. Once again this year, he is making the ultimate sacrifice for other people, going homeless for a week between August the 1st and the 7th. Yes, during a very cold time. And he's doing it to raise awareness of homelessness in Toowoomba and, of course, vital funds for the uh, operation that they continue there in uh, Neal Street. And he joins me this morning to uh, tell us a little bit about what he's up to and uh, and what they're hoping to raise. G'day, mate. Good morning, Lee. All right, nice and warm in here. Yeah, uh, bee, weather outside. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and it will be, there's no doubt, that week, uh, the first week of August, uh, which uh, is this annual fundraiser that you do where you spend a week out uh, doing and, and, and discovering what it's like for those who live rough on a regular basis, yeah? Yeah, that's correct. Like, it's National Homelessness Week, so we picked that week to do it. And um, so this is my eighth sleep out for a whole week. And um, on the Monday night, we invite the community to kick the night off, kick the week off, and they join me for the first night. Brilliant. So uh, last year, uh, despite the fact that you had to postpone it, despite the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic, there was still such a wonderful community support. Yeah, we had over 160 people that did the sleep out that night, and we all slept in the main street. So no one knows where they're going to sleep. That's one of the, the things about our sleep out. You actually get a touch what it would be like to be homeless, um, not fully, but because you, you know, you're not homeless, you get to go home, but Hey, that's another thing. Like people go to work the next day and they go to work tired and that happens to people. So we, we slept in the main street, 160 people and, um, yeah, on the concrete in a swag. You obviously deal with uh, people that are on that journey themselves, uh, mm. you know, a, a, a homeless and perhaps long-time homeless. What's the feedback over the years that you get from them about what you do? Well, we on our night, we have a lot of planned stuff and a lot of unplanned stuff happens. So we actually, sometimes we bump into homeless people and um, they're really happy to see us. And, uh, you know, some of them actually do the sleep out with us. Um, we don't make a big highlight of that, 
Um, during the sleep out, um, lots of people um, share their story. So you hear lots of stories, but we also go and visit other um, organizations that help people that are struggling with homelessness. So yeah, on a day-to-day basis, the soup kitchen um, deals with around 100 people that are facing these difficult circumstances such as homelessness and mental health and drug addiction and family breakdown play a big part in all that. Of course. Have you noticed an increase uh, in in this situation in our area following things like COVID and, of course, the, the current housing crisis that we have where there just isn't accommodation for people? Has, has this increased um, them coming to you? Well, I reckon people, if, if you have your eyes open, you'll see homelessness is real in our city. Yeah. Um, there is people sleeping rough, people sleeping in cars. But since the pandemic, um, all different circumstances like Certain people couldn't get that payment because they were yes. from New Zealand or... But we saw a lot of new faces, particularly families and and, and single wow. parents. And so kids in cars and, you yeah, know, people yeah. will pull up to the soup kitchen and ask for a takeaway meal. So we've gone to takeaway meals through the pandemic and that really cost us. We didn't expect to have that in our budget. Yep. And that was like another $40,000 plus wow. just to feed people. And so at the soup kitchen, we give out that basic need, um, a nutritious meal, uh, a backpack bed if they need it. Yep. Uh, we hate giving them out, but that's the last resort. And the third thing is just clove, uh, clothing like jackets and beanies and socks. It's always yep. good to have a clean pair of socks. Oh, absolutely. But hey, that's how we care for people in our community. And it's just those little things, isn't it? Just giving them back a little bit of dignity. Mm. I know there's been, oh, you know, things like uh, haircuts and, uh, yeah. and things like that, 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 you know, I guess a lot of people just don't even consider. But for somebody that's in that situation, it, that little gesture is, mm. is such a massive thing. And uh, that's why Definitely. I think it's so wonderful what you do. So we give out homeless hampers as well. Yes. We actually came up with this homeless hamper because people don't have a kitchen. So what would you put in a homeless hamper? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so just, um, you know, your poppers, your up and goes, um, even lip balm for, yeah. uh, you know, weather like this in summer, we give out sunscreen. So yeah, we, uh, we take it, uh, the extra mile to care for people yep. and we live in such a generous community, such, such a compassionate community, like people always dropping off a warm jacket to us That's to give brilliant. out to people. Oh, that is great to see, and uh, I know there's always uh, help that can be uh, can be given to uh, to your organisation. And one way that you can do it is to get involved. They can go to the website homelessforaweek.com.au, and you can start donating now and uh, get some money in the tin there already. And that'll go right up to uh, and including that final day out there in uh, in August. Uh, donations at Neil Street at any time. Yeah, correct. Um, you can drop drop off any non-perishable food. Um, clothing, socks, and um, yeah, if you've got a spare warm jacket at home um, and, you know, you've got two or three, you could give one to us if, you, if, if that's on your heart. Hey, a big thing about the sleep out is that anybody can do it. Yes. And um, so we get dobbing your boss, get your boss involved or get, get a team from your workplace involved. It's actually a really good team building as well. Like um, it's amazing how many um, corporate teams actually do the sleep out yep. and um, their eyes were open in many areas. Like, you know, people are only a couple of pays away from not paying their home loan off. 100%. And so I remember a whole crew said to me, you know, um, that's something that we're going to plan for ourselves. Yep. Uh, a bunch of young people did. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, look, if uh, you can help out in any way, shape or form, or you want to get involved in uh, the Homeless for a Night uh, and help out Nat with Homeless for a Week, that homelessforaweek.com.au website. Great place to go. Of course, the base services website and social media pages are always there. Mate, uh, to you and uh, to Tiff and the entire crew there, what you do is just extraordinary. Uh, we thank you and uh, collectively put our arms around you for uh, what you've done for over a number of years. And uh, we'll keep in touch with you and and get an update as uh, we get a bit closer. Awesome. Thanks, Lee. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And following two long years of COVID restrictions and here in Oz, a change in government, many are concerned about the current state of the economy. Housing is through the roof. You need a mortgage to fill a lawnmower with petrol. Inflation's up and companies are dropping like flies. So it might be time to head to the vault and get some much-needed advice. Yes, you heard me. In a tweet that's since gone viral, a woman who claims to be a stripper declared that we are currently in a recession based on the empty status of strip clubs. The user explained that the strip club is sadly a leading indicator and states, y'all, we are in a recession, LMAO. Sounds like sound advice to me. In a series of recent posts related to the original tweet, the user made their case arguing that sex workers survive through every war, recession and decline of empire and pointed out that strip clubs had been an operative tool for business people and not just a source of sinful entertainment. Yep, business. You know, like when you used to buy Playboy for the articles. According to at Crystal Pole Slider, as strippers, we always have to be aware of fluctuations in the market and how upper-class white men are behaving and spending their money. Ask any stripper, we have to be aware of how rich people are going to spend. Stripping is like betting on how much the rich will spend, which they claim is basically a stock exchange. Now, the person ended their series of tweets by concluding that every single stripper they know is a better trend forecaster than any finance or marketing exec. Now, I'm not totally convinced, but I am happy to put in as long as it takes to research this one personally. And let's be honest, if she's right, it would mean an end to those dead boring finance reports on the news, which would now be very different. And we take you live to Butterbings, where Brandy Jane Chastity has the latest on the finance markets. Brandy Jane? You cannot be serious! Today, our morning with the Mayor of the Toowoomba Regional Council, Paul Antonio. We've got the budget to talk about and some very uh, clever technology they're going to be implementing for our parking. But uh, he's popped in the studio uh, and I, I, I would be remiss not to make mention of the fact, uh, something that we've talked about many times, uh, State of Origin coming up next Wednesday. Uh, and and I know uh, that you know, Queensland, it, it hasn't been a great couple of years for the uh, Maroons. Uh, so uh, so I, I just thought I'd... You know, get ready to pile it on you for another yeah, yeah. year. Look, look I, I, uh, I've got a sympathy card ready for you. <laughs> and the other day I had the chance to talk to the former Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McCormack. Yes. He holds a similar view to you. Yes, he does. He He's a blue. A very similar view to you. Legend. And I, I've already sent him a sympathy card. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I think, I think it's going to be a big score this year. Now, Robbie was telling me, though, that because uh, he was mentioning to you before you popped in that we've got a scratchy on the first game and that, mm. that you seem to think that was a bit light on oh, that, and that we probably should go a little harder than that. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty tight. I think we ought to go a lot harder than that. All right. I think we ought to do something pretty special. Yes. And I think uh, following the first State of Origin game, yes. you'll be dyeing your hair red. Jeez. I, I reckon that would suit you. What did you do, Robbie? 
What have you done? No, I so does that mean if if we if we win, if the Blues win, he has to dye his hair blue? Now this is a holistic proposition. <laughs> look like it is your beard as well goes red. <laughs> oh come on! And your moustache, the whole works. We're not fooling around, mate. What here in Toowoomba. What did you do? All right, okay, all right, I'm in. I'm, no, no, I'm you... that confident we'll win at least the first game in Sydney that if uh, if the Blues lose, I will dye my hair and beard maroon and, Robbie, you will have to dye yours blue, producer Smurf. Well, Good I'm luck not, with that. I'm, I'm thankful I'm not in this game because <laughs> yes, uh, my former barber, Greg Gabbard, every time <laughs> yes. I went for a haircut, so much for the haircut, so much for a search fee. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who remember Greg Gabbard. So, Absolutely. So, uh, Robbie will look good. Oh, uh, well. Uh, he, he, his hair will right. be normal. Okay. Uh, well, the gauntlet has been thrown down. I'll accept that. In the next couple of minutes, we'll talk about more serious business after this one. At Triple M, our Mayor of the Toowoomba Regional Council, Paul Antonio, joins me in the uh, the studio this morning. And, and you've had uh, a special guest uh, in the Garden City that you've been hosting our new Governor-General here of Queensland. Yeah, well, for two days, uh, my staff and I were taking her around. Uh, she wanted to drive uh, with the Mayor in the Mayor's car, so it had to be appropriately cleaned. And my PA, Melissa, uh, she made sure that was done. I had to do a lot of work to make sure my car was perfect. But she's a delightful person, and I think to her... When she was Chief Health Officer, we owe so much for her strength of character, the way that she did it all, and I think Queensland did particularly well when it comes to uh, managing all of that. Uh, And take the politics out of it. This lady is not political. She just does what's best for her community. Yesterday, we had a a major ceremony at the Life Flight Depot. Oh, yes. Yeah, the Clive Berghofer building. And uh, she was there, and she had a lot to do with a coordination of the Flying Doctor, Life Flight and any of the other parties. And, uh, no, she is a delightful person, very down-to-earth. We had dinner with her the other night. Just a beautiful down-to-earth lady. Can I just ask, though, did you get the opportunity to actually open her car door for her this yes, time? Yes, well, there's this a, bit leads of a story into another story, yes. Uh, I was telling Lee before that uh, my very final day at UQ Gatton, which was Gatton College, <laughs> I had the honour as a young uh, uh, NCO in the... 25th Battalion, to open the door for the Governor. Now, Sir Henry Abel Smith turned up in the big Rolls Royce. My dad was there with the camera taking many photos, very proud of his his son. And, of course, I was on the driver's side and my other colleague was on the other side. Uh, I opened the door, stepped back and saluted, as you do. Everybody get out, got out the opposite side. So I made abs- I told the, the governor the story, and I have a beautiful photo of me opening the door for the governor and her getting out. So um, that one is put to bed. It's that buried, gone, finished. But it was a, such a funny incident. But, Absolutely. Uh, but this lady, look, we're very fortunate to have people like her in high positions. She's yeah. so down to earth. She is so such a genuine human being, but she's very, very very, very clever lady. She's yeah. a very, very strong lady. And I think, uh, you know, I would not choose to argue with her. Put it no, <laughs> me neither. All right. Now, you're going to be sharpening your pencil coming up because, say, uh, the uh, budget is uh, about to be released. Yeah, look, the budget comes down later on uh, this month. And uh, it's the Mayor's budget, but there's been an unbelievable amount of work done on it. And I thank uh, Councillor McDonald and Councillor Shine, together with Anne-Marie Ryan, who was the former... Uh, in charge of the um, Empire Theatre, who's now our GM in that area. She's a wonderful lady. She does a great job. And that whole team has done so much work. 
local government is abused by the other levels of government. And you might have heard recently that um, we have lost our federal assistance grants. Yes. A large amount of that has gone from 14 back to about $6 million. And that's a big impact on us in terms of roads, that kind of thing. We don't need it. There was a time when local government got 1% of the total tax take. Now it's a little over half of a percent. We are virtually abused because we don't get enough money to do the things that are so critical for a community. The expectation from every community in local government areas is very high. So it'll be a tough budget, but we're sticking to our long-term plan. That's all I will say about it. It'll all be announced on the day, but it's going to be a tough year. We've got to strive for efficiency, strive to deliver better. But until such time as state and federal government wake up, to the important role that we play. 80% of Australia's infrastructure is is held and managed by local government. And that's massive. It is. Okay, there's some, you know, we don't do the big roads and all those sort of things, but we have enormous length of road to look after. The second longest length of road is in the in Queensland, is in the Toowoomba Regional Council area. Important road because of production. So, mm-hmm. no, we're, uh, it's a tough budget, but we have worked through it. And, uh, you know, I don't think there'll be too many surprises. We've had a long-term plan, and uh, I hope that we can stick to that long-term plan. All right, let's hand it down. On the 13th of June, something else that I want to talk about, because parking is always on the agenda when we have a chat, uh, but this uh, new technology uh, that mm. uh, has been implemented uh, and will be coming in over the next uh, few weeks, the smart parking in Toowoomba. Uh, tell us how that works. Well, that that's, uh, you know, that's uh, modern technology, Um Parking fees won't be payable in some locations during the two-week transition period, but there's going to be a two- or three-week transition period. And during that time, uh, we will transition to the ultra-modern parking uh, uh, recording of parking and payment of fees. And also, you'll be able to find out where the, the parks are that are available, that kind of thing, the similar technology they've got in some of the shopping centres. Okay. But parking is a massive issue. Oh, yeah. You drive to Brisbane... And you stop at a parking station down there, you need your money. It costs you a fortune. Parking is quite cheap in Toowoomba. Uh, And, of course, the issue we have is people who are uh, businesses, I guess, in some cases, who park near their business, keep shifting their car every hour or two hours or whatever it might be. I think we, we need to provide an environment where there's the interest in building parking stations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this end of town, you know, this... Over, we own a fair bit of land there in, uh, in behind the Ruthven Street. We've got parking land between there and the Empire Theatre. Maybe we should be looking at uh, incentivising somebody. That's just my personal view. It's not the view of council. But maybe we should do, do that to get the cars that people drive to work in, stay for eight hours and drive them home to get them off the street. Yeah. Allow, and that would be better for business anyhow. But that's a personal view. It's probably not quite what I've got down in front of me here to talk about today. But I think that we've actually got to do something. When you consider what it costs to park, uh, I've had a number of people come to town, an interest in parking, 
but our parking fees are too cheap. Yeah, and uh, this new technology will allow you to download an app and then you'll be able to use all sorts of functions and features on there, make payments on your uh, car uh, parking as well as get notifications and things to let you know that maybe it is uh, time to get out of that car park, which I think is absolutely brilliant and great use of the uh, the modern technology. Uh, well, as always, uh, thank you for your time, but thank you most uh, for throwing me out of the bus as far as the uh, yeah. hair dyeing is concerned. Although well, I am quite confident in a Blues win uh, in the first game, at least down there in Sydney. So well, we may I, have I, a blue producer. I think bright red will suit you. Thank you very much. And I'd, uh, I think it'll be great for you. And I know that your children will love you even more. They're, they're Queenslanders. <laughs> and your wife's a Queenslander, daughter. I believe. My daughter wouldn't walk into school with me the other day because I had a, a, a camel-coloured coat on. She thought I looked too much like a detective and didn't want to walk into school with me, <laughs> let alone if I got red hair. No. Uh, the Mayor of the uh, Toowoomba Regional Council, Paul Ed Tuddy, as always, thank you for your time. Thanks very much, Lee. Thanks for what you do. <laughs> You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And if you're looking to get into a heated discussion about anything, there's one surefire place to land an argument. The internet. Yes, from politics to religion and everything else in between, the net will provide you with hours of argumentative conversation and, of course, opinions. Well, you know what they say about opinions. Like lip fillers in the Kardashian family, everyone has one. Photographer Abdul Dramali accidentally opened a huge can of worms on social media after a disagreement with his girlfriend. Now, this disagreement wasn't about the status of their relationship or something equally as pressing like will the new bachelor with three blokes instead of one be just as rubbish. No, it was how many towels they should have in the house. Yes, towels. Not exactly riveting conversation, nor would you think controversial, but hey, we are on the internet. Now, most of us just blindly grab one out of the linen closet, use it to dry yourself, wash, dry and repeat, with the most excitement coming in the colder months when you pop one in the tumble dryer for a minute before wrapping yourself in it. But they're not exactly something to argue about, right? Wrong. It started after a conversation with his girlfriend revealed they have very different ideas on how many they should have in the cupboard. He said 10. His girlfriend was stunned. Before long, he was inundated with replies as people shared their idea of normal. And the responses went from the sublime to the ridiculous, with one person suggesting they had 30 towels for their two-person no-dog household, whilst another chimed in with two, one for you and one for her. Yeah, no. The question caused quite a stir and left many people questioning what actually is normal, while others were just intrigued by the whole discussion and how riled up people seem to be getting about towels. But however you look at the situation, there was only ever going to be one correct answer. Whatever your girlfriend wants. You cannot be serious! Earlier this month, you may have seen on social media uh, our Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, uh, showing some photos of what looked a fairly barbaric implement uh, with the uh, with the words, these dog collars will now be banned in Queensland. And they're, they're a pronged dog collar that is supposedly used for uh, training of dogs. And I, I want to know a little bit more about it. That's where we call in our dog whisperer, Linda Cause from uh, Cause and Effect Dog Training uh, here locally. Good morning to you, Linda. Good morning, Lee. All right. Uh, these dog collars, the pronged dog collars, uh, now illegal to possess. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, they aren't actually illegal to possess yet, Lee. It's not, it hasn't been ruled. Um, so that's the first thing to think about. But what we need to look at is, yes, they do look terrible. They look like a medieval torture device. They do. And what happens is a lot of people haven't really seen them before, let alone actually um, use them and experience them. And we put our emotions onto what we think 
will happen when we okay. put that on a dog, okay? Yep. Now, what we need to understand firstly is they don't dig into the neck. The way they're designed and the angles of the, 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 the prongs are such a way that they don't dig into the neck. Okay. They apply lateral pressure around the neck. Now, when we look at training tools, whether it's your normal flat collar or harnesses, halties, all of that sort of stuff, they all work by applying some sort of pressure to the dog yes. to make it uncomfortable so that it stops pulling or whatever it is. Right? Now, the prong collar does the same thing, but it does it in a very specific way. So it's not digging in. It's applying the lateral pressure around the neck. And because of the, the design, it makes a very clear communication to the dog. And you need very little lead pressure for the dog to understand that. And usually when we use that sort of thing, it's in conjunction with positive reinforcement as well. Okay. So, you know, and I just want to say, like, if you Google images and you'll see one image of a dog with horrific holes in its neck yes. that they say is from a pinch collar, that dog had the collar on as a puppy and they never took the collar off and ah. it grew into the collar. And you can also see images like that of harnesses and flat collars. Yes, so we're talking about utilising this as a tool in training uh, at times, not just leaving it on the dog, which obviously could be a bit more of an issue. So you would be happy to see it still available to those who are using it in the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's all about education, Lee. Yes. And the uses that we, we apply it for, like it's not right for everyone and everything in dog training needs to be um, specific to that dog and family. But, you know, the reality is most people or a lot of people don't do a lot of training with their dogs until there's a problem. Yes. And that's, you know, that's just the reality of it. But sometimes you get people who will get dogs that isn't a good fit for their lifestyle or even their life stage. So, you know, when you buy a high drive dog, a big, strong, powerful dog breed, um, and you do not a lot of training or you try to Google training and it doesn't work, um, then you have a dog who's who's grown up and is actually more powerful than the handler. Ah, yes. And that's where your pinch collar comes in. Because it's it doesn't cause pain, it just um, you know, it it, it applies pressure. Yes. Um, it just makes and the way it does it just makes it very clear to the dog when there is pressure on the lead and when there isn't. Much more so than all the other traditional things that I've named. So, mm. you know, if you have people with physical disabilities for a for a you know, to yes. name one, if they've got a big, powerful dog, they can't afford to be pulled over. Mm. You know, um, even a trained dog, there's there's always a chance that something will trigger it and it might pull, put pressure on the lead and pull them over. I've had clients that are quite, you know, older people, 70s and 80s, who have had, say, a German Shepherd back, you know, 30 years ago. Yes. And they've bought another German Shepherd but they haven't got the physical ability to be able to, to control and train the dog. Again, they haven't done the early training either. So the pinch collar allows them to have that control over the dog because literally, Lee, you can put pressure on the pinch collar with your little finger and okay. the dog will respond. Well, as always, two sides to every story. And Linda Cause, our dog whisperer and expert trainer from Cause and Effect Dog Training in Withcop, thank you as always for your time this morning. 
You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And if you've ever lamented the fact that you're dragging yourself off to another day of work to cash in a measly check at the end of a very long and painful week, or some 20-something makes three million a year sitting by their pool thanks to the internet, you might want to turn off now. Remember the woman we told you about who made a small fortune selling her own gas in jars? Well, you'll be delighted to know she's back. Only this time, she's flogging the sweat from her boobs. Now, despite making good bank from her gassy goods last year, Steph Maddow from Connecticut in the US had to announce her early retirement after she was hospitalised due to the diet that she'd been following. The self-proclaimed fartrepreneur opted for a high-fibre diet, living off beans and eggs, which didn't go down too well with her insides and led to her experiencing chest pains caused by the excess gas. Now, it must have been a shame for the former reality star as she was raking in about $1,000 a jar. But before you start feeling too sorry for her, Steph's made a full recovery and is now selling her boob sweat instead. Steph, who previously appeared on 90 Day Fiancé, claims putting a jar together for her fans takes about 15 minutes, with the social media influencer spending up to four hours a day lounging by her garden pool to get the desired perspiration level. If the sun's shining, she claims to be able to fill 10 bottles of sweat jars in just one day, which are then sold at $500 a pop, which is certainly a very different take on a sweatshop. Steph says while she loves sitting by the pool, it's also hard work. Really? You'd think if she's making so much cash, she could afford a dictionary. Once again, her unusual business venture comes with a set of risks, and sitting in the sun for too long is certainly not good for your skin or health. The influencer announcing a new product on Instagram last week, and let's just say the online community had some thoughts, with one user labelling her the Elon Musk of body byproducts. Steph also likes to compare herself to a maple tree, with her sweat being the sap. Now, there's a lot wrong with that analogy, but let's just hope the silence of the lamb psycho who's buying this stuff isn't pouring it over their waffles in the morning. You cannot be serious!